At the new fronts this week, Samsung, Roku, NBCU, Crackle, Vivo, TikTok and many others pitched advertisers on their audience reach. It illustrates the gold rushes on in streaming TV advertising. Listen on to find out more. This week's edition of the Inside the Stream podcast. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from End Screen Media at the top. Hey, Colin, how's everything going? Well, it's been a ridiculously busy week for data this week. My goodness, <laughs> I've just been busy week. Yeah, I've been struggling to keep up, to be honest. So, I, uh, hopefully, this uh, we'll get a chat a little bit about some of it today. But before we do that, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Verizon Media. More than 10,000 of the world's largest media companies trust them to truly connect with viewers. Learn why at vz.media forward slash Verizon Stream 21. Great. And thanks to Verizon. Uh, we are we do have a busy podcast today. You've been focused on a lot of data. I've been attending a bunch of the New Fronts presentations this week which have been really interesting. And we're gonna focus on ad-supported video today. But before we do, we wanna just highlight a few of the quick stories that caught our attention this week as we are doing on Inside the Stream. So why don't you go ahead and get started? I will. Yeah, so I guess the, the most interesting, or one of the most interesting stories that popped across the desk, I think just this morning, was that Amazon has just grabbed rights to Thursday night football for the 2021-2022 football season. Now, they'd just purchased the rights for 2023 and onwards from the NFL, and uh, somehow they've hornswoggled a year early. (laughs) Uh, They've gotten the, the rights for the next for the next season so that's pretty amazing and that means that we'll have and there'll be the exclusive place to watch Thursday night football uh, except in local areas so the two teams can still the two teams games will still be broadcast on local TV in their local area but for the rest of us we'll be watching it on Amazon next season yeah we will indeed no surprise there I think that all comes down to money don't you agree I'm pretty sure it does. Although the note in the piece said that the Amazon paid what they paid per year um, in the longer deal. So it looks like it's just a sort of semi-extension of that longer deal. Yeah. Well, one item that caught my attention this week, Colin, was a report in Bloomberg about how Albuquerque, New Mexico is winning the streaming wars. And Uh, It's really, I think, a fantastic um, article about how Netflix primarily, but others are also investing in studio facilities in Albuquerque, in and around Albuquerque. And the article notes that um, uh, there is a 300-acre complex that Netflix is working out of that um, they have apparently committed a billion dollars in productions to um, which is in turn bringing a lot of crew talent and other uh, uh, studio resources into the Albuquerque area and really putting the city and the area on the map through a lot of tax incentives and other incentives that, the, um, that Albuquerque and the area have uh, offered to, um, to Netflix and others. And 
you know, if you've ever wondered about like, how does all this original content that shows up on streaming get made? I thought the Bloomberg article was really just a really interesting backstory. Yeah, it was the, the next the season four of Stranger Things is one of the first things that's going to be shot there, yeah. I think. So uh, yeah. it should be like, strangely, that seems like an appropriate place for stranger things to be shot because i i don't think they're far they're far from nuclear testing facilities and, right well and, and as roswell a, and all of that stuff going on down there man could be right really interesting. And, a, and as a breaking bad super fan i have a soft spot in my heart for albuquerque as i'm sure all other breaking bad super yeah. fans do so uh there was one other one other story we wanted to mention um charter actually made some comments about how its users are using its broadband and i thought this was an extraordinary claim uh, tom rutledge says that non-video broadband customers are using 700 gigabytes per month uh, and they he said that that was what they were using the first part of the quarter and I, this this kind of amazed me. Will I tried to puzzle this out because I sort of walk around with this, you know, an hour of video is about a gig of of data, and if you use that sum, that means those homes are consuming twenty three hours a day. So, <laughs> or well, you know, I, I'm sure it's not all video, but we know that video is the biggest proportion of it. So. That just sounds like an awful lot, and I just got to, I've made myself a little note to go and dig into that a little bit more deeply. All streaming, all the time. No sleep involved for charter subscribers. I guess that's what that means. Uh, but anyway, we'll include links to the to the pieces discussing these uh, these three items: Amazon, Hollywood, and uh, Charter's broadband. We'll include links to those pieces in our postings, but. Let's get on with the new fronts, Will. You've been paying a lot of attention. Yeah. What have you heard that uh, really caught your attention? Yeah, so I this was New Fronts Week, and for those not familiar, this is what the IEB does every year. Typically, uh, pre-pandemic, these were all in-person, lavish productions all over New York City, kind of running from one to the next. But last year and this year, they've all been online, which actually is, I think, far more convenient. You lose some of the... Uh, you know, sort of the in-person um, effect, but it's it certainly makes it a lot more convenient. And the New Fronts did not disappoint. I give, give huge congratulations to IEB. I think they do a really fantastic job. can only imagine the amount of logistics that are involved with pulling it all together. Uh, I watched some or all of presentations from Roku, Crackle, Tubi, Samsung, Vizio, Vivo, A&E, um, Snap, TikTok, NBC Universal, YouTube, and others, and it's just—it's really impressive to see um, what they're sharing with uh, audiences. This is again the primary audience are uh, agencies and brands, so they're really pitching for spending to be brought over to their sites and to their platforms. And they do a—I think a—you know—it's—it's it's really interesting to sort of watch. There's. I think maybe three core elements to a new front presentation. Um, one is to really um, talk about the audience that's consuming con that's consuming the the pre presenters um, content. So a lot of audience profiling and, and no surprise, a lot of that this year once again called out younger audiences that are um, focused on streaming and digital primarily. 
Um, I'd say the second piece of a new front presentation is explaining some of the key ways to access that audience, that advertisers can access that audience. So it might be um, existing formats or new formats or brand integration, but you know, basically all the different creative ways that brands and agencies can work with these different content providers. Um, and then the third and always, I'd say the most eye-catching part of a new front presentation is the sharing of the high-profile original content that's um, either being uh, premiered or renewed. And uh, there's always a lot of talent that's involved with these presentations and um, just a lot of different sort of razzle-dazzle special effects and graphics. And I, I must say the investment in these new front presentations must really be off the charts and it, it really does show through. But, um, you know, key takeaways this year, Colin, I think, again, the uh, everybody was focused on younger audiences, on how streaming is really um, the key way that younger audiences are consuming video and that uh, they are simply not reachable by advertisers any longer if all they're going to do is focus on um, linear TV. And, and I think actually that showed up in some research that IAB highlighted um, at IAB actually released earlier this week, uh, concurrent with the new fronts, where they said 56% of 2021 video ad budgets are going to be allocated to digital video. This was per a survey that they did of um, brands and agencies. So, and within that uh, digital video, the biggest share, 35%, is intended to go to connected TV. No surprise there. So. Uh, certainly the incremental audience was a big message. Uh, the younger audiences, the idea that audiences are in control, that um, audience targeting and data uh, usage is really key. And that's what uh, is sort of the best blend of digital video, the idea of the lean back experience with the um, audience targeting and uh, attribution conversion that digital has always offered sort of the lower funnel metrics. So those were some of the key things. Um, I thought it was really interesting to hear about the originals that are on tap from ad support services like Roku, Crackle, and Tubi were all aggressive in introducing their original slate. Um, I thought it was interesting to hear from Samsung and Vizio about how smart TV makers are now very much getting into the advertising game. And last but not least, also interesting, I thought, to hear from folks like Snap and TikTok about what mobile means to younger audiences in particular. And we spend a lot of time focusing on connected TV on this podcast, but you can't overlook mobile and, and Snap and TikTok in particular really highlighted some uh, some big numbers that they're seeing from their audiences and some really, I thought, very clever ways that advertisers are able to integrate with those two platforms. So uh, all in all, just uh, like drinking from a fire hose this week, watching the New Friends presentations, I, I find it endlessly interesting, the presentations, the way that each of these companies tries to uh, tell their story and present their best case to advertisers. And of course, you know, we know that with the decline now in linear TV and with ad budgets moving over, that there's a lot of there's a lot of money up for grabs. There certainly is, yeah. I saw eMarketer is forecasting what, eleven point five billion in T V advertising um, in 
video advertising on connected TVs. Let's get mm-hmm. the wording right. They're, they're forecasting yep. 11.5 this year, over 14 billion next year. So this is really a growing market now, substantial, a substantial amount of money. And boy, does that underline why it is, for me, it is so, so surprising to see people like Vizio and Samsung doing a new front presentation at all, pitching to advertisers on why they're, they're a great place for them to reach audiences. That, that's one thing that really stuck out to me there, Will. And the other thing was that uh, we're seeing folks like Tubi and Crackle Plus producing original content. Of course, Crackle was one of the first companies that produced original com- content for ad-supported back with you know, old Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee days. Uh, but they're, And they're certainly continuing to do uh, Unscripted and with the new batch as well. Uh, but Fox, boy, Fox is getting, getting back into a, original programming slate for, for, for Tubi. So that's a pretty interesting announcement yeah. as well, right? And I think Tubi, I think Fox and its earnings this week uh, up their forecast for Tubi ad revenue to $300 million, if I'm not mistaken. And um, just to get back to your, your point about seeing Samsung and Vizio pursuing the ad market, we're recording here on Thursday afternoon. The Roku earnings for Q1 just came out. And look no further than the platform revenue from Roku to see why Samsung and Vizio and LG are all pursuing this market. Um, 466 million in platform revenue for Roku in Q1, double the 232 million that they did in Q1 of 20. And uh, I think that you know the other smart TV makers are looking at that and feeling like they can make a claim on some of this ad spending as well. Yeah, there is so much Roku envy going on now amongst the <laughs> smart TV manufacturers, Will. There's no question about that. And, you know, the margins, gosh, that, I was looking at the margins that Roku is earning off of its platform business, uh, which, of course, is driven by advertising. And it's 67%, so much more attractive uh, than the 10% or less that they're earning on their hardware so there's one one big reason, of course, I mentioned the huge amount of money that's coming in here. There was also a forecast I noted that Pluto TV from eMarketer was former, was forecasting that Pluto TV would be earning a billion dollars in ad revenue uh, next next year. So there's I, I can totally understand why Vizio and Samsung are focused so much now on their virtual linear services, their fast services on their platforms. Uh, they're, they're clearly, you know, very, very important to their to their future going forward. You know, both, uh, I think, Vizio this week added 10 new channels to, to its platform. Uh, Samsung has been keeping up a regular beat with its, also adding in channels. Um, I think they added a, a wrestling channel uh, just in the last week or so, and a couple of other channels as well in the last couple of weeks or so. But uh, that in, in their presentation, Will, didn't they talk about a whole bunch of TV ad technology that they're, that they're working on to, and some new ad formats for advertisers? Yeah, and the big, I think the big story from Vizio really is the, um, 
know, the glass level viewing data, as they put it, that comes from the InScape acquisition that they made yep. last year. Yep. Uh, I think they, um, I think they presented that story very well, and it, it really is a, a somewhat unique uh, differentiator for Vizio, and I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about that going forward. And the, um, you know, just to sort of make the device space even more crowded, Comcast weighed in this week also. They said that over 50% of their viewing on their Flex device, which had they they had previously said they had about three million deployed, so still you know relatively small compared to a Roku or Fire TV, but but growing over 50% of Flex viewing is now on free ad-supported apps, and they called out four of them: Peacock, Zumo, Pluto, and Tubi, and they I think put those apps, particularly Peacock, front and center in the UI in in Flex and, and Peacock, of course, Peacock Premium is available, the 499 service is available, no charge for Flex and Comcast broadband users. So that no doubt is is a big draw as well. But you know, I think Comcast roll forward a year or two, I think Comcast, uh, NBCU is a presenter at this year's New Fronts, but I, I think Comcast has become a bigger player on the device side as well. I do too. Um, one of the things that they seem to have tweaked to, Will, is how powerful Peacock plus Zumo is in that platform. And, you know, they've really made remarkable strides, particularly with Peacock, when we think that really Peacock only was released to a national audience July of last year. Uh, I'm looking at some Magid data that was released at the next TV conference earlier uh, this week. And Basically, this Maggie data shows that Peacock's the leading free streaming service uh, for video. They say that 15% of people are already using Peacock to watch video. Now, Pluto is, is, a, is a breath behind. It's 14% of people are using Pluto. Uh, Roku, the Roku channel, very popular too, 13%. Tubi, 13%. Uh, and even uh, Crackle, the venerable Crackle, still holding on to a pretty solid nine percent. So these services, will that yeah. um, that that we're talking about here, are really getting significant usage by usage by users now. So uh, you know the I, I think the thing that Com- that Comcast has really realised has finally realised I think is that streaming is leading, and that's where all the growth is. And that they actually have two platforms now that really pair very well together in the same way that our friends at um, Viacom CBS have recognized the importance of Pluto TV and Paramount Plus and the way those two pair, pair together. And that they can really lead with those and it gives them a great vehicle to offer to brands and advertisers. And of course, you know this is the same story that Viacom CBS has got going with with their with their two as well, because of course Paramount Plus includes advertising in the in the lowest tier. So you know there there really is plenty of mileage. It looks like uh, from the data for for growth, and I I totally believe I I actually think that eMarketer's estimate for next year might be a little low the way things are going right now. Yeah, and also Colin, you didn't mention that maggot data, the role of YouTube which is still the 800 pound gorilla of all free ad supported video. Um, I, I thought Comscore has them at around 40% pretty consistently, don't they? 
of all the That's correct. Yeah, I, I didn't. I did not mention YouTube. They actually weren't covered in this particular diagram that I'm looking at from Magid World. But yeah, you're right. They're huge, and they had. Um, they actually, we should we should mention. Last week, of course, we talked about uh, YouTube, and we one of the things that we said last week was that they didn't really have a story around interactive on televisions on connected televisions but that changed right yeah they they as part of their brand cast new front introduced something they're calling brand extension which is an interactive capability within um, uh, brand ads on youtube and youtube tv and the app so uh, they didn't offer a whole lot of detail on that but it, it certainly did sound like a first nod towards some interactivity we know, as we discussed last week, that the direct response ad, the YouTube for Action ad, has been a big winner that their uh, management team has called out on the last earning, last couple of quarters of earnings calls. So no doubt YouTube is eager to get that sort of interactivity going on connected TVs as well as on desktop and mobile, where it's been primarily to date. Right. So... So actually, there was one other aspect, Will, that I wanted to to bring in here. I mentioned up front that I've been looking at a lot of data. And as as we talked, one thing really popped into my mind. Um, Comscore released some viewing data this week, and it was a really different take on how people are using Internet TV services. And what they basically did was they showed in the data the busy and light days for various internet TV services. And um, I actually have some diagrams on my on my website, so if folks want to stop by, they can actually look at the diagrams that I created from that data. It's really fascinating. When, when they, they divided things up, it looked like, um, like Netflix, for example. There is a wide, uh, there, there is a wide gap between its busy days and its light days. And the busy days are Saturday, Sunday, and Monday and Tuesday. So, you know, that's when we're watching all of their original content and spending a lot of time with that app. But they also showed light and busy times for Pluto TV. And Pluto TV is almost the exact inverse of Netflix. Its busy days are Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and light is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, the, the, this, this may indicate that actually the way we're using the virtual linear services like Pluto and like Samsung TV Plus and Vizio Watch Free is these are on on the days where, you know, end of the busy work day, we just don't want to make any more decisions. Mm. So we just turn to these virtual linear channels and they just play and ent entertain us. Um, so anyway, I thought that was a pretty interesting fallout from that data that was provided by Comcast. So. Yeah, that is interesting, Colin. And I wonder if that changes at all, uh, tying back to what we were saying about the originals that are going to be coming out on Tubi and Pluto and the other ad-supported services, if their viewing dynamics change a little bit more toward what uh, we saw with Netflix and others as these programs, that people get more and more invested in them and don't just sort of turn them on when they're you know tired and not fully concentrating. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, could, it could certainly do that, Will, I think. Um, 
But as we know, I mean, one of the, actually, I'm glad you sort of mentioned that because I remember I was at a conference about, I don't know, three years ago, two years ago, and somebody asked the question, will the free ad supported providers ever produce original content? And uh, I won't mention his name, but one gentleman on the panel said, oh no, they'll never do that. It's just too expensive a game to get into. And I remember thinking at the time that that's crazy talk. And here we are. Um, and it, it's not, it looks like it's not for Fox. It's not just going to be the cheap stuff. It's not going to be reality yeah. and, and unscripted. They're actually producing proper shows to, for, for, uh, for release through their platform. So, yeah. you know, um, how the world turns, eh? Yeah, and when you certainly when you look at the new front presentations and you see the amount of originals that are coming out of the presenters there, and you also look at um, you know new front presentations from like YouTube, Snap, and TikTok in particular, and you realize that you know budgets don't necessarily correlate with viewership when it comes to the social platforms. And primarily, younger audiences are you know they're looking at all kinds of different video that looks compelling to them that doesn't necessarily come out of Hollywood, and I'm thinking of the influencers and the social media stars. So it's just a very different, very um, fragmented landscape. I think we're now dealing with. It certainly is, and I I think that that's going to be a theme for us for the next couple of years. I mean, when you think about it, well. It's actually getting more fragmented as the smart TV manufacturers get into the fast game and start providing virtual linear channels. Yep. It, that just even more fragments the market, right? So yep. <laughs> I don't know how you how you can possibly figure out which TV to buy if it's fast channels you want because they're all different. They all have a very very different mix, and uh, it's very very tough to figure out. But um, but. I think we've covered a heck of a lot of ground today. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of ground today uh, with new fronts, data, what's happening in the industry. So hopefully we have not overwhelmed our audiences, our audience. But um, just finally, we want to thank Verizon Media again for sponsoring this episode of Inside the Stream. Verizon Media is connecting people to their passions with delivery, streaming, security, and and the future of edge computing solutions that help brands reach their goals and future-proof their business. To learn more, visit vz.media slash Verizon Stream 21. So thanks again to Verizon Media. And Colin, thanks for um, being my partner on the podcast today. We've, again, covered a lot of ground. It's a lot of fun. We certainly have. And I just want to remind uh, our listeners, if you are still listening to Inside the Stream on the old ways that we uh, you we distributed it will and i are on the point of cutting those off you need to add the inside the stream podcast to your podcast manager and start picking it up there so just uh, just a warning but anyway been a great been a good discussion today all right thanks colin thanks everyone for listening in on this week's edition of inside the stream and we'll see you all again next week